thing is this, and I just invite you to pray into this. You know, we've talked about foster care and faith bridge here at Vintage, and we're excited to be partnered with them. And Randall, I've gone through the process. Y'all, you guys commissioned us a couple of months ago to do that. And as of this week, we now have we have guests in our home living with us, and we are incredibly excited about that. Uh, again, I'm not, we're not going to talk too much about that, except it is awesome, right? It's been beautiful having them in our home. We've laughed. We've talked. It's been fun. Uh, we played a lot of games and just fallen in love with these girls, and we are so excited to have them with us. I encourage you to pray for us. I'm gone this week. I'm going, actually, I'm taking my very last seminary class ever this week, right, down in Orlando. Praise God. Love Jesus for that. And so, uh, but Rim's going to be here all by herself, and, uh, and, just, and going from two those of you who have four, you're like, it's, it's, it's easy. But going from two to four overnight, it's a little bit of a shift for us, uh, but it's wonderful. So I just encourage you to pray for us, pray for, pray for, pray for all four of our girls now uh, in that, and, um, and just, just be excited with us. It's awesome. And I do encourage you, we have the training. So let me just say this real quick. There's no guilt in this except... Every single one of you loves Jesus to be at this meeting. I'm just kidding, right? No, I seriously want all of you to come to this train that we're doing. Why? Because I think somewhere along the way in this year, yeah, God's going to prick your heart to do something, to partner with some family who's doing something. And let me just say this. In just doing this, you remove an obstacle. That's all that it does. It removes the obstacle and then releases you that when the time is right and it fits in your schedule allows it, you're able to come in and help the families that are here, right, that are doing foster care and, and loving on children. And then you get, and I think what God will do is just kind of begin to move you forward. So I invite you to please come to this. It's just four hours of your life to, to help, just to help fulfill the vision that God has for us. So I invite you to come. And do that, and uh, that's enough of the commercial time. All right, so here we, we go. We're going to dive in this morning. We've come into 2015, and I'm one of those people, I'm not, I'm not sure how you are. I love, I love shifting, I love change. Right? I love the idea of what could be behind the corner. So like, when we do the, like the terrible white elephant gift thing at Christmas with your family, where someone always gets angry, and they're feeling a little bit hurt because they got a bad gift, I'm the guy who says, yes, they have that over there, but what could be in the present? I mean, it looks so pretty wrapped up in that, right? So I'm the guy that always, because the anticipation, and the expectation of what, what could be next, what's there, is awesome. So I come into the new year, and I, I get really excited because I, I, I recognize bad things that happen, but good things could happen in the new year also. So I just love the idea of what's going on. I love the, just the expectation, the anticipation. And so when we, when we come into the new year, a lot of it is this expectation, anticipation of what's next. Some of us, that's scary. We like what we know. Some of us like what could be lying ahead. But the reality for all of us is that there is something ahead of us. There's something in front of us. And so this past Tuesday, like we've been doing for the last six years, every Tuesday morning at 6.30, we meet in the offices and we pray. We pray for, we pray for y'all, we pray for vintage, we pray for what's going on in the world, right? Whatever it is. And so every time I come, every time I ask the question, all right, guys, we kind of have our talk for a second, so just kind of talk around the, around the circle. All right, so what do, you, what do you believe God's speaking? What are you hearing from the Lord? What do we need to be praying into this morning? We see in part, we know in part. I want to know the part that you see in here. And so we begin to pray. And so we begin to pray. And, and this, this one this past Tuesday, David Gillum is part of our leadership team. He said, hey, I, the two words that I'm hearing are contentment and goals. Contentment and goals. 
And so we're going to talk about that and just this idea that, that our contentment, we're just going to pray and say, God, we want our contentment to be found only in Jesus, right? Our satisfaction, our gratification in life to be solely found in Jesus. There are lots of things in my life I know that clamor for, to clamor in, for my affection and try to, that, that my heart wants to turn to, the brokenness my heart wants to turn to sometimes for satisfaction and contentment. But we're going to be a people in 2015 You say, God, we want to be a people who find our contentment in Jesus. The second part, we said we're going to pray for our goals. Now, goals are one of those things that we can set earthly goals. And earthly goals are fine. Right? They're, they're very, very good. I would encourage all of us to, to set earthly goals for ourselves. Those earthly goals are like the ones... I don't know what's going on here. We're going to... Hold on a second. I'm going to take this handheld. Just mute me. So, this idea then of, of, of goals, right? So, so, we want to set earthly goals. I would encourage you, I'm not going to go through a goal conversation this morning, because all I get to do is Google, just Google, setting good goals for myself this year, something like that, and someone much smarter than me is going to give some really practical advice on how to set goals for yourself of being a better parent, of being a better spouse, of how to lose weight, how to gain weight, how to get in shape, whatever it may be. Someone's going to give you much better ideas of how to do that. But the question, and, we would, and, those, and those things are good, right? Because goals are healthy. They, they give us a destination. They give us a direction to go, right? They give us a bullseye to aim for. So in our context of our life, it's healthy to set practical goals for ourselves. And we should do that. But the problem I find with goals so often is that the goals that we set for ourselves so often are, are primarily gauged in our minds by what we see as possible and capable in our own strength to make happen. So in being a better spouse, I, if I work harder, I can do that. And so what I find then is people talk about their, their goals, they talk about their vision, they talk about the direction they want to go in life. So often it are, it's things that are attainable in their own strength. And the question that I then have back is simply this. What are the goals that God is speaking into you that only he can make happen? Earthly goals are great. Set them. I encourage it. Google and read and set those. But what are the goals that God wants to set that only he can do? It's the question. What types of goals are you allowing God to set for you this year? Because what I find so often is that we are afraid to let God set goals, one, because you may be offended, we talked about earlier, or in our minds we feel, there's an important word right there, we feel ill-prepared and we feel ill-equipped. Therefore, we set goals here because they are much more attainable, which is fine, but we never have the goals over here that we allow God to set, that we recognize that only He can do in us. And this morning, I want us to talk about those types of goals. These goals that God sets for us this year, that only God can ultimately fulfill in us. If your Bibles turn to Luke chapter 9, I would say this as you're turning. We're going to spend a lot of time the first six months of, of, of January, excuse me, the, of the year uh, of, of focusing on Luke. 
And so I would encourage you, and this is going to give you like a, a reading pattern if you want to know how to read your Bible, something that you can do, I think is really life-giving. Take your Bible, the first step. In one sitting, read all of Luke, all the way from the beginning to the end. Just read that in one sitting, probably take you a little over an hour, right? Then take, then take one chapter and read a chapter for a month. And then take a, a section, verses, and just read those for a month. And by the end of the year, Luke will so be, be so grafted into you that you will know Luke back and forth. Also, some of you have reading plans of reading the entire Bible. That's great. But if you don't, Jesus will be completely fine with you focusing on one gospel for the entire year. Learn it, get it into you, study it, and get to know it. We're going to focus on it. So anyway, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it says this. And what I want you to hear this, as you read this, I want you to see what I believe are the goals that Jesus has for his disciples that maybe they, they haven't named, they haven't felt prepared for, but that he is putting out before them. He is laying out saying, here are my goals that I have for you. Starting in verse 1, he called the twelve together, gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 6, and they departed, went through the villages, preaching the gospel, and healing everywhere. So when we look at Luke chapter 9, verse 1, what I want you to see in the context of understanding Luke, this is what's called a transition verse. This is a transition verse in the book of Luke. Up to this point, the focus of Luke has been very simple. It's been the person and the ministry of Jesus. All the stories have revolved around Jesus. They revolved around his power, his authority, his compassion. They've all revolved around his works. The disciples up to this point primarily has simply been spectators. They've watched as Jesus has done his thing. They've watched as Jesus has moved, as Jesus has healed, as Jesus has prayed, as Jesus has done his thing. They've been watching. They've been observing. But then, completely out of the blue, Jesus comes and says, All right, guys, 12 of you, it is now time to transition. I'm sending you out. And they went, with what? <laughs> right? You're going with us, right? No, 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 no. I'm sending you. Who knows? Jesus may have gone inside and taken a nap. He was so tired of hanging out with them. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of your faithlessness. I need a break from you. He didn't do that, guys. But he sent them out. Right? He sent them out. It's that moment sending the disciples out. He's sending the twelve. And all of a sudden we see this shift, the transition of going from the works of Jesus now, honestly, to the works of his disciples. And it's important to recognize we're not talking works unto salvation to prove their value and their worth to Jesus. It's simply the works they have to do. Like, you know, you wake up every morning and there are works that you have to do. You have to feed your kids. You have to get gas in your car. You have to drive to work. You have to go. There are works that you do every day, things that you do. 
And so Jesus in the moment is saying, all right, I've shown you my works. Now I'm sending you to do your own works. It's a transition verse. And from this moment on, we've gone from just observing the ministry of Jesus to now observing the ministry of Jesus and his disciples. The transition. We see this focus, this shift. It's the next step in their training. The next step in their preparation of being sent. It's the next step. It's the growth. It's the process of maturity for the disciples. It's beautiful. And what we see in this is is this idea of what they're saved for. Remember last week we said, Jesus saved us from... Death, hell, sickness, brokenness, right? He saved us from separation from God to save us for whatever He has for us, to live a life fully for Him, right? And so He said, to the, to the degree of which He saved us from is the degree to which He saved us for. I don't know about you, but the, the degree of being saved from hell and separation from God is pretty large, massive, and profound. Therefore, what I've been saved for is pretty massive, huge, and profound to live my life fully. And so in this moment here of being saved for, we see Jesus naming for the disciples some goals, some destinations, some things that he has for them that I would say this morning, they would have been afraid to name for themselves. Which brings us back to the goals that we set. They have their own human goals, defined by their own human frailties, and this recognition of their own hearts of feeling ill-prepared and ill-equipped, unable to do the things that Jesus did. And then Jesus comes and says, okay, I understand your personal goals, but let me show you what I have for you. The first one we see, the first goal in Luke verses one, and look at this, consider verses one and two, is a goal of Jesus' authority and Jesus' power. The reality of human beings is you're only able to give that which you possess, right? I couldn't, I couldn't look at Ronnie over here and say, hey, um, after church, I'm going to give you Barry's car. Barry, what are you talking about, Steve? You can't give away, it doesn't belong to you. And so the idea is that you can only give something away which you possess. And so for Jesus, he possesses this power and this authority given to him by the Father. And so he looks in in verse 1 and 2 and he says this, He called them together and he gave them that which he possessed. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. In the context of Jesus' life, his goal for his disciples was to give them what he possessed, to give them his power, to give him his authority. We see in Scripture in John 17, he says, The glory that you've given me, God, I now give to my disciples. My glory, the fullness of himself, the fullness of Jesus, he has now given to his disciples. So I don't want you to think Jesus had a power and authority, but he gave the disciples a little bit less than that. No, he gave them what he possessed. He gave them his power. He sent them in his authority. He gave them that which he possessed. Listen. 
in our world, we have created some great and awful theology that tells us that what we've been given is a little less than what the apostles used to have. And only thing that's birthed our theology is our lack of experience of those things. And so when we look at power and authority to go cast out demons and to cure diseases, we immediately put up that human and say, well, that's not for us. I don't feel prepared and equipped. I've never really seen that. I'll be honest with you. I've seen that. Many of you in this room, I literally I had a woman come to the office speaking like a, in this deep man's voice, and I cast a demon out of her. I was 33 years old. She was on staff at a church. That should freak you out. I, was, I sat in Brazil, laid hands on this man who had terrible scoliosis. We prayed. His right leg grew three inches and his spine went straight. He stood for the first time in his life, knelt down and touched his toes and began to weep because of the power of God, the authority of Jesus into the moment. Someone says, well, those, those things only happen in needy countries. We're needy. So when we talk about power and authority as a goal, the disciples would have said, I'm fee- I would never think of that as a goal. Because that is too lofty and too high. That is too big of a mountain to consider and to ask for. And Jesus says, I know, but I want to give it to you. That's my goal for you. The second thing we see is a goal of a divine purpose for their life. A divine purpose for their life. Look at it again. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, one, and to bring healing for all things that need healing, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it may be, right? To come and to speak healing. So in that moment, Jesus says, I now am giving you a goal of your life having a divine purpose. When we use the word, listen, if you're a Christian and you say, Jesus is my Savior and Jesus is my Lord, and you mean it when you say that, what you've just said is, I now embrace my entire holistic life as having a divine purpose because God is Lord, He is King, He is Ruler, and so I wake up in the morning and that moment belongs to Him. Every moment throughout the whole of the day belongs to Him, and when I go to bed, I still belong to him. Everything in my life has a divine purpose. That's what he's speaking as a goal into the life of the disciples. I'm giving you the purpose that God gave me. I'm now giving you. The purpose that God the Father gave me, I am now giving unto you. And in that moment, the disciples would have felt just like you, ill-prepared, Ill-equipped. Oh my gosh, God, I can't go make disciples. I mean, I've never been discipled. I mean, no way I can go do that. Are you serious? I mean, I watched you heal, but I can't do that. I can't pray for the sick. And oh my God, this is a little too much for me. I feel ill-prepared. I feel. I've never experienced that before. Divine purpose for their life. God looks, Jesus looks at them and says, you've now seen, you've experienced, as in watching, we could say we've read all about. 
And now he says, my divine purpose is to go and to do what I have modeled for you. Our lives are to look just like Jesus's and not anyone else. The third thing we see a third goal is in verse three. He says to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there, depart. What we see the third goal is that we live our life with a goal of God's provision for their mission. God's provision for their mission. So the phrase, take nothing for the journey. Here's the deal. Whenever, listen, when I get ready to leave to go to Orlando, right? And so what do I do? I have in my mind an understanding of everything I'm going to pack to take with me that I need. And so when Jesus says, take nothing for your journey, and then he lays out the list, it's everything that would have been at the top of their list that they would have needed to go. And so the adaptability type person, we're going, oh, we'll figure it out. And the administrative person goes, Jesus, are you kidding me? I need this, right? And so we find in this moment, God, Jesus speaking in the moment saying, take nothing for the journey. Don't take bread because I will provide for you. Don't take a staff. Listen, the staff wasn't just to have a cool walking stick to walk. The staff represented a defense tool, right? It's what you would knock the, the goats with or the sheep with or the mean person with or whatever it was. It represented like something to beat people with, right? To guard themselves. I got a staff. Watch out, right? So he's saying, I will guard you. I will protect you. The bag piece, what's in the bag? Well, a bag is like a suitcase, which you carry your stuff in. But more importantly, the bag was what itinerant preachers used to carry with them. So when they got done bringing the word, they can say, all right, now bring your love offering and put it right here. It was their mechanism by which they would receive funding for their work. And he's saying, you don't need a bag. I will provide for you. I will provide a roof over your head. I will provide. The goal of Jesus is clear. To grow in their faith, their trust, and their confidence that God would provide at all turns according to their needs. Do we set for ourselves a goal of God's provision and living that way? The fourth thing to consider is verse 6. They departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. A goal for the disciples that Jesus had, is this radical obedience. They felt ill-prepared. They felt ill-equipped, right? They had just seen. They had never done. Jesus is not going with them. But they departed and did what they were told, even though they probably didn't feel capable. You see, that's what we're talking about this year. This idea of, of God's goals of saying, God, radical obedience, whatever you have for me, I will step into that. God, I will go. Listen, when we talk about these goals, they feel like mountains that are too big for us. But Jesus says, 
ask and I will take this mountain and cast it into the sea, right? There's nothing too big for him. So when we talk about this, this nature of, of, of God's lordship, of him leading us, of, of having a life with a di- divine purpose, right? And as we're doing this divine purpose and going in, in his power, and his authority, as we do this, right? There's something that shifts in our hearts and all of a sudden we recognize, God, you are Lord and I've never found such satisfaction and fulfillment in my life than when I'm living dangerously for you with your divine purpose defining every conversation that I'm in and every act of my day. And God, I cannot wait to go and bring your kingdom to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to cast demons out of those who are oppressed. I mean, just think about it for a moment. So let's say we've got Britt right here in front of me and Tim Parker. They're always in front of me, so I pick on these guys, right? And so... We're going to let, and then Todd's going to be Jesus. Todd, you get to be Jesus, right? Todd's Jesus. And Todd, it comes to the 12 disciples sitting right here and says, all right, guys, I'm sending you out. They're like, what does he mean by that? Where's he going? I don't know. He says, we know in Luke chapter 10, they sent them out two by two by two. And so, so, so Todd says, all right, Tim and Britt, I want you to go. Tim, you're a little bit older, so you get to be the elder in this. And Britt's like, yes, I'm not in charge. Tim gets to lead us in this. I have no idea what I'm doing. And so they get together. They go over here, and they're like, because they're men, they're like, yeah, we got this. Yeah, yeah, we got this. What are we going to do, right? And so they go over here, and there's a little, little cubicle over here, and has a little powwow. And Britt goes, what are we going to do, Tim? Right, all the way on him. And Tim's like, oh, I don't know, man. Um, let's, uh, let's go this way, right? What a divine purpose. And they're like, Right, this is all great until they come upon Scott McMath. And Scott McMath is, he's like, he can hardly walk. He looks like death, right? He's obviously not doing well. He's just struggling. And Britt goes, what are we going to do, Tim? All right, what are we going to do? And Tim goes, I don't know. Because in the moment, isn't our first reaction in every divine purpose of God to have a freak out moment? Because we, by nature, trust ourselves. So that's that moment like, ah, Jesus, right? Hopefully. And so Tim goes, Jesus. And they go, well, what did Jesus do? Well, they loved, he, he loved what everybody came to. They came around him. They loved on him. And they said, can we pray for you? And Scott goes, I'm not going to help. Who are you, some of those Jesus freaks? Oh, my gosh, he knows us. Yes. Fine, fine, pray for me. This isn't going to happen. And they come into the moment and they recognize and remember the goal of God, the call of God, the divine purpose, right? The movement of Jesus, the power and the authority that's been given to them, that they have the provision that they need for the mission of trusting and having faith in God. So they lay hands on him, right? And they put their hands and says, we come in Jesus' name and we speak healing. We speak, we speak wholeness. And all of a sudden, Scott, just, something begins to happen. He begins to, he all of a sudden begins to breathe better. And all of a sudden begins to stand up straight and, and grip and and Britt's like, I told you we could just do this, right? Because I knew, I already knew. And so there's this moment of breakthrough, and all of a sudden what happens? They have experienced the goal that God had for them, the divine purpose for which God had placed them here. They weren't just looking at the works that Jesus did and talking about works in the past. They're recognizing that God had works for them today, the movement of His Spirit through them as His disciples. And then Scott says, can I follow you? And can you teach me? what you just did to me. And they said, yes, you can be our disciple. We'll teach you what Jesus taught us. 
Let that will bring you to him and introduce you to him so you can have salvation also. You should be fired up because 2015 is a year of stepping into the Luke 9 goals that Jesus has, not just for you individually, but for the church to actually start making a difference so the world doesn't hate the church, but they run to the church because the people of God fulfill the vision that God has for them to bring healing, salvation, and restoration to a world that is going to hell and dying because they trust in their own selves all day long and only set goals in their own human power and their own human strength and never fulfill them because they don't know Jesus. So we clap. Fantastic. We get fired up. But are we willing to step into it? Are we willing to say, God, I trust your goals for myself more than I trust my own. I'm willing to make my entire life be about your divine purpose. I'm willing to lead my children into the divine purpose. I'm willing to lead my neighbors into the divine purpose. I'm willing to speak very carefully into my boss's life and Bring the divine purpose. God, I'm willing to live every moment under the goals that you have for me. And Jesus, listen, never gives us goals that he cannot help us attain. He says, I've given when I leave. I don't leave you as orphans. I'm sending you my spirit who will remind you of everything that I've said, for when he comes, you will have power. And then you will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth under the power and my authority that I'm giving you. Let's let God, in fact, let's Ask him, let's implore him, say, God, I want to know your goals for my life. I want to walk into the fullness of them. I want to be like Brit and Tim. And I want to see the Scott McMaths change. I'll be honest with you, I'm looking forward to the moment when someone says to me, I don't know what the word is, but can I just follow you and do what you do and learn what you've learned? And I'll go, you mean discipleship? And they're like, yes, that's what I want. When's the last time someone asked you to disciple them? Let's make that a goal because that's what we find right here. We move with the power and authority in someone's life, and they just want to follow Jesus and learn everything that they can. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that the goals that you set for us, your followers, are far beyond the goals that we would ever set for ourselves. God, I praise you that they are not easy. Because, God, if they were easy, they probably wouldn't be from you. And, God, our goals that you have for us and the way that we express these things and the way that we 
live for, the, live for those who are around us and sacrificially give our lives. God, it may not look the way we expect it to look. It may not have a lot of fanfare. It may look more like Mother Teresa, who follows you to the broken and is never heard and his name is never known on earth, but it's known in heaven. And I pray this morning, Jesus, we would not clamor to be known by the world, but we would clamor to be known fully by Jesus. That we walk in humility. We live under your divine purpose. We walk with your power and with your authority. That we watch people be set free. That our, the testimony of our lives is not a frustrating day and bad traffic. The story of our day is seeing people saved, set free, and made whole. God, we just declare, all of us, we are hungry for that type of life. Father, have your way in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. This morning, I invite you to respond.